This pod takes care of some unfinished business. We recorded a music pod. We got riffing. It went long on us. We decided to split it up into two pieces. The first part came out in March of 2022. That was episode 48. If you missed it or you don't remember it, you might want to go back and check it out. It took me this long to produce the second half. So here's part two of the music pod. You'll notice Steve's not on here. He was on sabbatical at the time. Fear not. He'll be back on our next pod. It's November 2023. This is episode 53. Music, part two. It's a music pod, so here's the disclaimer. Kids, don't do drugs, but if you do do drugs, do them at an outdoor stadium concert for Pink Floyd, (laughs) because right when the music and lights hit and the drugs hit at the same time, literally a life-changing experience for the next three hours. This is the Snow Day Podcast with our Snow Day family physician, Dr. George Alvarez. The whole experience and how it moved along was really good. So, uh, you know, we got rained on, we got shit-faced. There was just really good music. Faye's son, Leslie Hanson. I walk out on the the pool deck, Aaron Desivers there, I'm like, his nickname was Wiener in the day. I'm like, Weens, we are going to Pink Floyd tonight. And me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. They were such a big band to me. Like, I thought they were the best band in the world. And they showed up in Winnipeg and played at the Burt. And I said to Marnie, I don't even know if this is really this band. And we bought tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Are we sure we're not getting ripped off Yeah, like, what, is this a scam? (laughs) Okay. We recorded this a year and a half ago. It's time to get on with it. Here's music, part two. Okay, so one of the things that I had on my list of albums, but it actually more is an artist thing for me, is Dave Matthews. Did you guys ever get into Dave Matthews at all? Little hippie-ish? No? (laughs) So Under the Table and Dreaming was a huge album for me. He's almost one of the guys that's more uh, like a body of work. And so my top yep. three artists don't show up probably, they barely show up in my top five albums. Let's go with you, Lester. What are your top three artists? So okay. like just just be- bands, yeah. one person, what it, call an artist, whatever oh, okay. you want. It, whatever you okay. want. If, you if, said, if it's a band, that's okay too. When you said artist, I thought it had to be one person. So I, no. I, I specifically made a list of one person. Oh, sorry. Um, my top three artists, again, in no particular order, 
Prince, David Bowie, Tupac. Wow. Prince probably is in my top 10 for sure. Those other guys are not a... I'm not a big David Bowie fan. Ne- Dude, never never got some, into it. Yep. I got to send you some, some David Bowie stuff that you'll listen to. Yeah, you should. You'll like it. You should. No. Because it's unbelievable. Like, like the... the the lifetime of work for David Bowie, like that's where I said, like you, like it's so hard to not get into compilation albums because his his total catalog of music is so immense, and the musicianship in some of his early stuff, especially Bruce, I think yeah. it would connect to. I'd, I'd like it. Well, Changes was on that cassette you sent me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he's got lots of good stuff. Yeah. yeah. What's yours? Well, I'll reiterate. I mean, Prince, I think I've well articulated how I, what an amazing musician he is. So for sure, Prince is on there. Uh, I actually, I don't think I thought about this one very long. So I'm going to have to think <laughs> in real time. Yeah, I, 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 somehow I didn't have this in my thing. That's all right. On my, so I have only, I have one. Yeah, it's, it's Prince. Prince. No, uh, I could... You got to put Michael Jackson in there, I think, for you. You, you know, actually, I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll use another hip hop guy. I love Biggie Smalls. So, in terms of the like, out of that genre, since we both agree that '90s hip hop, late '80s, early '90s hip hop, gangster rap was in there, I would put Biggie Smalls in there. He, lyrically, he's unbelievable. Notorious B.I.G. And then I might, I might go go way back because I'm such a brat pack fan Dean Martin mm. I'm a huge Dean Martin fan love Dino uh, um, yeah, I, I think he's Dino actually way <laughs> yeah he, he's way more talented than Frank Sinatra and uh, since we're gonna have a karaoke question I might throw Dean Martin in there because I actually have one of his I, I love Dean Martin as a musician when the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie that's more like do you, like when's the last time you listened to Dean Martin? Um, you know, about a year ago, maybe a year ago, like last year, like last year. Well, yeah, that just seems I, I, like that, that's a little bit. Off. I know that's a little. I know I threw him in here because it's a little bit on the fly because yeah. I didn't think about this very well. I I actually was gonna go back like you know Elvis because I remember listening <laughs> to my like because we're talking about individual artists, artists right yeah. like about what, mm-hmm. artists not mm-hmm. you know music um, Dean Martin if you just think about what he did he started first of all he's an unbelievable singer he was part of a pack that every man our age wishes <laughs> they were a part of because there was no you know they got away with you need to, anything yeah, I don't think you need to have a long-winded like um, validation for Dino if he's your pick. Like, yeah, Dean Martin. No, no, because the, the reason why I like it is because he was just so much more. His celebrity roasts were hilarious. He was actually yeah. a super funny guy. Yeah, he was. Outside yeah. of a raging yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. He, yeah. he got into all these crazy spaghetti westerns. So sometimes I like the artist because 
of what they do outside. Like they're not just music; they just became bigger than their music. Yeah. So for that reason, he's he's quite a big favorite of mine. And I just wanted to put in something that no one would ever guess <laughs> that I would like. There you go. I'm going to do an honorable mention and pull in a lesson on this one. <laughs> uh, John Mellencamp. Oh, wow. Yeah. Part of the hardest thing for me doing this whole thing, and I bet you guys feel the same way, I wish this was 1998 or 2005, and I could just look at my CD rack hmm. and think, okay, this is all the music I listen to. These are my favorites. But it's hard to kind of piece all that together. Mm -hmm. But when I look back on all the music that I have. I have a lot of John Mellencamp and not just Little Pink Houses and Jack and Diane. Little ditty about Jack and Diane Two American kids growing up in the heartland Great song. <laughs> CDs, yeah. CDs after that. John Mellencamp is probably one of my kind of yeah. like all-time faves. Bare Naked Ladies is on there. That's the other honorable mention. Blue Rodeo would be my number three. Again, like I have a cassette tape that I made of Blue Rodeo's greatest hits, and that was in 1994 <laughs> when, I, when yeah. I worked at the radio station. Um, and then... Blue. What was the, the... Rodeo? Was that... Five Days in May was like their huge, huge Five one. Five Days in May. Yeah, that was a big um, one, yeah. And this is, again, because they're an artist, not a CD thing for me. I can barely yeah, yeah. remember. You know, it was blue. The, co the cover of it was blue. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had like a Ferris blue. wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Blue. It. I think Blue was the name of the album. And, and he, they're a particularly good band because they traveled so much that I bet you all of us have seen them more than once. They would often pop into other venues and other concerts. For sure. And like they, they, they've come out to Calgary so many times during Stampede, it's ridiculous. But I've seen, they've, they've, they've traveled quite extensively, so most people will have seen them live. I well, bet. and they ended up in a bit of a niche, right? Because they're a country band, but they're also sort of a yeah. rock band, right? So they could open for, yeah. they probably could open for the Tragically Hip, but they could also open for Merle Haggard, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Casino, that was the album I was thinking of. Oh, Casino. Casino's awesome. That early yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And uh, Outskirts has a blue mm. cover. Yeah. Is a whopper. So Blue Rodeo, my guys, that I've listened to a ton. And then these other two yeah. are just so, like, you know, you guys can tell me what they're going to be. The Hip. Um, yeah, it's going to be The Hip and The Watchman. Hip and The Watchman. Those are yeah. the other two, which I yeah. could sing every, every song on every album and yeah. love them. Um, with that said, singing every song on every album, let's do the karaoke song. If I don't, do, I don't do karaoke, which it seems kind of, well, I do, I do karaoke on steroids because we get together with our friends and sing every week. I don't often get to sing cause I'm so shitty at it. But when I do, I have a couple <laughs> songs that I go to, uh, but an actual karaoke bar I haven't been to since I sang, uh, Stairway to Heaven with Conrad Schellenberg. <laughs> in Winnipeg. Imagine that. 
Jeez, like, I haven't heard that name in 40 years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it was insane. So I, I actually haven't done a real karaoke, but if I was going to do karaoke, hasn't hit me yet. Blue Rodeo is a song that I could like pull off and probably not yeah. embarrass myself. But if I was going to try to try to hit the crowd, She's So Mean by Matchbox 20 is the song mm. that, I would, that I would probably take a run There you go. Well, I don't do karaoke at all. If forced, I would probably try to do some Harry Connick. There's a couple of Harry Connick songs oh, nice. uh, that I can do. Yeah. Crowd pleasers. But if you, if forced onto the stage at 4 a.m. after you know a night of long drinking, if you come at me with karaoke, nope. I'm probably going to come at you with total eclipse of the heart. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I'm going to make you, and I'm going to make it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more what I was getting at with the question, and I chickened out on it, was what if, if you could be a rock star <laughs> and, and own a song, what would it be? That's a killer yeah. pick. I love that. I love that choice. There's no heart in there for you, Les? <laughs> there's, there's just like, it's like... The rock ballad? You know, that point in the night where it's like, okay, shame is out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let this rip. And away we go. <laughs> because fuck you, you made me get up here on this stage. <laughs> you know what, Bruce? I, I knew, I just want to say something. I knew that you would pick the hip and specifically you would pick the Watchmen because I'd have to say they have to be in my top. Um, yeah, they got to be on your list. People of all, they are. I mean, I, I didn't think about it very much, so I wanted to throw up well, stuff. Well, I knew that he would pick sense. The Watchmen because he told us when we went to The Watchmen, <laughs> they're my all-time favorite band. <laughs> yeah. So that was the other clue. But I, 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 you're right, I probably do listen to them more than anybody else. So I'm glad that you threw them in there with some Canadian content. For me, it's hands down always Frank Sinatra. And for the following reasons. Um, his songs are very simple mm -hmm. to sing. He mostly speaks mm -hmm. most of his uh, songs. So for somebody like me who's been referred to as tone deaf or have no musical talent, it's a very, it's I can just, <laughs> it, it's an easy thing for me to do. Yeah. I know many of his songs already. And there isn't, I mean, there's so many good Frank Sinatra songs. And even the melodies are super simple. So even if you are not reading the karaoke at the right pace, you're almost not off the tune. <laughs> so for me, it's, you know, I get a kick out of you. I get no kick from champagne. Beer alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true that I get a kick out of you? You know, like yeah. the, that's that's my go-to karaoke song. Is anything Frank? Uh, even though I'm a bigger Dean Martin fan, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll sing Frank. 
Greg's Frank easier to beat. sing, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. For sure. That's have, the reason why I picked Have it. you done karaoke, George? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. nice. You know who I would put in that category, George, of having like very simple songs? Uh, one of the best concerts that I, that I ever saw was Tony Bennett. You saw Tony Bennett in concert? Yes. I saw Tony Bennett at Roy Thompson Hall. I was about eight rows back, center, like phenomenal seats, and he was absolutely outstanding. The songs are all short. They're really simple. He comes out in like a button-up, double-breast, you know, suit, super hot stage lights, obviously right on him, doesn't sweat a drop, just belts through every song. He's He was like, at the, like this is 15 years ago, but he was in his 70s for sure already then, right? Like he's like really old. And I was like, the other thing I remember about him is he has freakishly long arms. <laughs> and he just sang it that, like standing like right in front of you, just belting out these like, and it was like out of this world. I left my heart in San Francisco. It's unreal. Yeah. Since you raised it and we were going to talk about it, best concert, just in a in a word. So that probably isn't your best ever, Lester. But uh... I've been to a few like good concerts that were memorable. Guns N' Roses Winnipeg Arena was a heck of a show. I you guys know this. I'm a big outdoor music festival guy. So the early days of uh, Sunfest with the Hip and Blue Rodeo. Those were those were great shows, but without a doubt, I have one crazy concert experience story. Okay, this is going to be long too, Bruce. You're going to need to pare this down. Early '90s, maybe '90, summer of '93, summer of '94. It was summer of '94, and Pink Floyd was doing a big stadium tour of North America, and they were coming to Winnipeg and they were playing the old Winnipeg Football Stadium in like August. Okay, so outdoor, beautiful Winnipeg summer weather on the prairies, right? All my friends had got tickets. I didn't have tickets. And I was a little bit bummed, like, okay, well, whatever. I didn't have much money and, you know. And on the radio, as I'm driving to the pool, they announce that they finished building the stage, right? We all used to listen to 92, <laughs> City of FM in those days, right? Shout out to 92. And they sponsored the show, right? They said they just finished building the stage. The stage was a little smaller than they thought. So they are going to put some extra tickets on sale at six o'clock. <clears throat> it's about, it's, it's like 4.30 and I'm driving to the pool. I got to start training at five, right? And I'm like, shit, at six o'clock, I'm going to be in the water. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to call at six o'clock. What am I going to do? So I get to the pool and I call Ticketmaster and I just start chatting up the girl, the Ticketmaster, you know, like, yeah, I really want to go to the show, but... You know, I'm, I'm at Pan Am pool and I'm training and I'm going to be in the water at six and I, I can't call at six o'clock. Like, I don't know. And she goes, ah, you know what? Let's just give me your credit card number. And when at six o'clock, when they come on sale, I'll uh, punch your number through and the tickets will be at, at will call for you. I'm like, yes, scored. Ugh. The rich get richer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So lucky. <laughs> I walk out on the, on the pool deck, Aaron Desivers there. I'm like, his nickname was Wiener in the day. I'm like, Weens, we are going to Pink Floyd tonight. <laughs> and he's like, what? what are you talking? I tell him, he's like, yeah. We're like, ah, because we're like the only two guys of our friends who who weren't, who didn't have tickets, right? So I'm like, oh, this is like so perfect. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm thinking like, whatever, we're going to have like nosebleed 
seats, right? Whatever they, they found that they could stick some extra seats in. Doing a little pre-gaming to go to the concert, you know, getting our groove on a little bit. We all walked across the, the train tracks from the River Heights side, like <laughs> nice. across that, that railway bridge over to the stadium. So Everyone's walking across. Yeah. It's like awesome. all, these, all, yeah, all these people, <laughs> you know, gunning beers. You know, there, there, there may have been some illegal substances consumed at that point, you know, getting the, getting the proper feel on for a Pink Floyd concert. And so we, we get there and everyone's like going to their seats. I'm like, okay, we got to go to Will Call and pick up our tickets. Keep in mind, we have no idea where our tickets are. So we can get the tickets and they've got their like row, you know, all these letters and numbers on it. You can't, I'm like, I have no idea where these are. See the section. Okay, go over there. Where are these? Like, yeah, yeah, go down. You guys are like, go down on the field on this way get to the next security checkpoint of these yeah yeah yeah. keep going down that way keep going down that way and i look back i'm like looking at her i'm like dude like we're on the grass here like this is actually pretty good at least we make it lucky here okay get to the next checkpoint yeah yeah keep going keep going so it turns out that when the stage was smaller than they thought they decided to put another row of seats in the very front row so <laughs> we get to the get to our seats I'm not kidding. We were front row center, like the two dead center <laughs> front row seats. The guy behind us slept out for two days to get his tickets. Because remember, that's how you did it, like <laughs> yeah. back in those days. There was another guy, like back behind us, this German guy who had been following them around the world. This was like his 47th <laughs> show in like two months. Like, like, and I, and we literally bought our tickets an hour ago, and we're just jackasses, right? I remember getting up on my seat and turning around to face the audience and jumping up and down going, <laughs> front fucking row, front fucking row. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right about then, so then it's like, dude, we're just like laughing, like giggling, like this is like awesome. Concert starts, right? And it's Pink Floyd, so huge light show, Everything. huge stadium show, right? It was just like, boom! Like, <laughs> life-changing, literally life-changing experience for the next three hours. It was like, unbelievable. Lights were so powerful on the front of the stage. Every once in a while, they would roll over and they had this bank of lights that would come on. And it would like, we would feel like the concussion off the power. Like it would be like, boof, and you would feel it like knock you back in your seat a little bit. It was just like an unbelievable experience that we like had no rights to be in those seats and just like scored an un unreal, uh, unreal story. You might not be able to beat that. No, I definitely don't have one. Well, when we did a pod before we went to the Watchmen concert three-ish years ago, I think so. Yeah, we had we had made a recording, and you had asked us this question as part of the recording: "Is what is your best concert experience?" And my answer was, "Well, I think the best memory is going to be tonight." Which had to be written. How about that? How about I throw that down? I'm, this, I'm going to tell you about this story about tomorrow. <laughs> awesome night. There cannot be one single thing that is awesome. I am actually... No, no, I'm pretty I'm awesome. ecstatic that I said for the pre-show that my favorite moment in The Watchmen would be this moment, and it came to pass. It's going to be tonight. Oh, yeah. And That's I'm with true. very good friends. Yeah. Since that was my last concert... And I was with all of you guys and Steve and Gerald and 
you know, um, Marnie was in the back and, uh, I'll tune you like a fifth grader came out that <laughs> yeah. night as T. well. Warren. Steve. Look at, no, no. Neither is Marnie. I will tune you up no. like a fucking right. fifth grader. No, no. A fifth grader. <laughs> this is sacred ground. Don't make me throw your ass into the hallway. Go ahead. If just Team Warren was out there, I'd have to say that was, uh, just because it was my most recent, most memorable experience, I would say that's probably my best. However, when Les and I went to Oceaga uh, for a couple of years in a row, we ended up seeing Florence and the Machine. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's off the dial good. Oh my Unbelievable. god. Unbelievable. Florence and the Machine, like two two times that you put like a little girl on a stage and the power that came out of her was so overwhelming for the audience. One was Florence and the Machine, and and the second was Lord. You've seen Lord? Yeah, at the same at oh, that same, well, at the festival, same festival, like the next the next year yeah. or the year before. Um, it just same thing, unbelievable. Just this unbelievable, like capturing the crowd where like the whole like forty thousand people outdoors were just like so blended into her moment. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movie. Like, I was like, wow, holy shit. This and is like I'm this tiny little girl, and she's just was so powerful. Like it's a, amazing. A front man. It's, it's weird, yeah. right? Like those biggest rock groups in the world, like Bono, like all of those guys. Like when you see them, you realize why they're the biggest groups in the world because they just capture the stage, right? Like, yeah, like Steven Tyler, even. I'm not a huge Aerosmith fan, but that guy's got, he's got it. You know, you go to shows like that, and you know who the big name. You're like you, you, like we know we're seeing Kendrick Lamar, right? Mm-hmm. We knew we were seeing Black Keys. Like you know the ba- like bands that are gonna blow the crowd away, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh Lord, some little girl from New Zealand or something. And she gets, and it's just like, holy shit, this chick is just <laughs> owning this crowd of people. Like it was, it was really cool. Those moments, I think, are really, are really cool. The the other time, I'll tell you a quick one, Bruce. That you'll you'll like this. I remember the last year that I was there. The big headliner on the last night was Radiohead. Oh, nice. Who were really disappointing live. Mm. Like they were. I'm like, okay, this is like, you know, kind of boring. They had a new album out, and they that nobody had heard and wasn't doing very well, and they insisted on playing like almost that entire album, and everyone was like, eh. but. Of course, they closed with Creep, right? And I remember like looking around, and I've never seen so many people standing like, like in a huge, huge audience. So many people who were just head back, <laughs> tears streaming down their face, like totally absorbed. You know, like that was the song that got them through high school, right? Like, like so many people who were so emotionally invested in that and just thinking like, this is the power 
that live music has over people. Like it was like because that becomes like a shared experience. Because you all know it, right? Like those other songs, nobody they maybe you knew them, maybe you didn't. But this one, it's like okay, we all know what's going on here. And it's yeah, we all know what's huge. going on. I didn't fit in anywhere, and this song got me through it. And you know, <laughs> I'm like some like little girl, and there's like some big burly guy over there, and we had the same experience. And now we're standing beside each other, complete strangers in an audience, and we're both emotionally connecting with the song, and we're both crying, <laughs> right? And just having a moment, a, a super individual moment shared with a stranger beside you, is like an incredibly powerful event. That song in particular, I think, is the most powerful experience of that I've ever seen. That song. Yeah, Radiohead. I was blown away by Florence and the Machine. I was blown away by Kendrick Lamar. Just those two days, because it wasn't just one concert. It was like several yeah. days. We had bought yeah. the the upgraded pass. We were staying in this awesome downtown hotel in Montreal that had a pool. Yeah. We met a bunch of people there that we still communicated with for several years the whole experience and how it moved along was really good so uh, you know we got rained on we got shit faced yeah. uh there was just really good music uh, you know george and we, i got we soaked up... at uh, seeing nas oh nice nas, yeah. Right. We said nas. Oh, wow. yeah. and um you know, and I actually, I often think about, oh man, I'd go back to Oceag again because that was such a good yeah. venue to go to. So I would say that's a really positive experience just because that whole weekend of music has so many side stories associated with it yeah. that um, that that would probably be my overall favorite concert experience because it lasted three days. Yeah, <laughs> right, that's what I say. I'm like a, I'm a big outdoor music festival guy where it's not even so much about who you see but the experience and there's i always say like there's something about being in a huge crowd of people that even if you don't know the band you don't know the music that well when you feel like the energy that that you absorb from being in a crowd of like 50,000 people all like grooving at the same time mm -hmm. there's just something about it there's something about it that's really special and and what covid fucked up this year george was or whenever it was in 2020 I had, uh, and, and Neil, we had VIP passes to go to Oshiega that summer. And it was going to be the two headliners were Foo Fighters, who would have been great, back to back with Lizzo. Who I was so <laughs> pumped to see. I was so excited to see Lizzo. She's my like my my one um, artist of like the last few years who I picked up who I just love. Yeah. And uh, I was like, how funny is that? You're gonna have like a like an old white guy band <laughs> one night, and then like the youngest hip hop you know yeah. female singer the next night, <laughs> and they were gonna be equally good. Like I knew they were both just gonna be like incredible experiences to be in. The that whole weekend was such a good time. Less ended up talking to some recent immigrant uh, to Montreal and Les had negotiated that he would bring his, he would drive us with his caravan. As long oh yeah, as I hired that calls. guy to be our driver for the weekend. To be our driver. Yeah. Some, <laughs> so we just threw money 
at our problem. Yeah, hey, we'll give you what this is how much we're going to give you. You must drive us to the venue. And then at this time, when you call, you have to be back to pick us up. And he was like a family guy, our age. And he just came in the caravan and picked us all up. Yeah. We negotiated <laughs> so awesome. a cash payment for the whole weekend because the first year that we went there, we realized yeah. great, like easy to get there. It's out on the Island in Montreal. Yeah. So it's easy to get there. You know, you take the subway to the final station. You can like walk. It's all, all cool. Yeah. But when you're leaving there at one in the morning and there's 40, 50,000 people all trying to get off the Island, at the same time, it's impossible. It's and hopeless. you can't get yeah. on the subway. You can't get a cab. Like you can't like, it's like fucked. You can't get an Uber to pick you up. Like I think Ubers were just starting then. Yeah, so barely. yeah, I was like the next year we're back. I was like, we got to find a driver. This is my mission. Like the first day we got, to Montreal, we got to call yeah. an Uber to take us to a restaurant, and then we're going to convince and <laughs> hire that guy <laughs> for the weekend and say, "Listen, we need a driver for the weekend. We'll pay you cash." <laughs> yeah, that guy was awesome, and he did it the next year for us too. Blue, All right, Brucey, I, your I turn. Touched on it, I think, in the Hip Pod, but one of my uh, best concert ones was tragically Hip at uh, the baseball field in Winnipeg. At one time, I happened to be down there for work and didn't even plan on going to the show, bought a ticket by myself, and it was just totally unbelievable. And it was a little bit before Gord got sick, and they were just at the height of their power, right? Like In the baseball park? In the baseball like where park. where the gold eyes play? Yeah. In, uh, so were they out on the field and you were sitting in the Yeah, they were the out stands? they were out in the outfield. Well, I was standing, so I had like Okay, so they were on the back part of the outfield and then fans were on the yeah. Fans and the, cool. then there was some It was a it's same as what you said. It was a prairie night. It was August. Gord pulled out all the tricks, played all the hits, and it was just one of those things where and I wouldn't normally probably go to a concert by myself, but that's just how it worked out and no regrets at all. Like I just soaked in the whole atmosphere. That was super yeah. cool. Probably my other next one, it's no Foo Fighters, but uh, that Counting Crows that I mentioned before, when they played at the Burt in Winnipeg was just, at that time, they, like, it's one of those ones where I think you feel like um, they were such a big band to me. Like, I thought they were the best band in the mm. world, which we were saying yeah. Adam Duritz was, and they showed up in Winnipeg and played at the Burt in a, like, how many people yeah. fit in there? 2,000 people or something? And I said to Marnie, I don't even know if this is really this band. And we bought tickets. <laughs> Are we sure we're not getting ripped off? Yeah, here? like, what is this a scam? And then we went and... It's the counting cats. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. And we were in the balcony, but we were on the first balcony. And it was just amazing. And they came out. I mean, the highlight of the whole show was they came out to do the encore. And they said, you know, we normally do a three-song encore, but we're going to do seven because we're just having such a great time. This venue's unbelievable. You guys are fun. It's a hot summer night. Like, let's do this. And whether yeah, that's yeah. bullshit or not, I don't know. Like, but it worked on me because I was, <laughs> I was all in, right? And so yeah, were, who knows? They were, they were awesome. It was, it was super good. If you hear a song or part of a song or some lyrics, does it take you back to a scene? Georgie, I'm going to start with you. What do you, what do you got? Do you have a song, some lyrics that just like instantly transport you to a place in time? Yeah. The Summer of 69 by Brian <laughs> Adams. 
And I'll, and I'll tell you why. I literally called Wayne Jackson a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago? Uh, Brian Adams, uh, for you, a few weeks ago. This is on Reckless, the CD that I listened to at the cottage today. Yeah. Love it. And the reason why is it's such a nostalgic song, and it's about friends being together, growing apart. And in this, it's this line that always gets me. And everybody has an endless summer. Like everybody has such an amazing summer story. If you think about, I can, I can, I can almost imagine Les and Bruce's best summers because they inter, they were interwoven with us. And every time I hear that song, and I'm a Brian Adams fan. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Brian Adams fan, but when I listen to that song and I listen to those lyrics, I know exactly what he's talking about. When you look back and things were simple, uh, they were easy, they were way less complicated. There was just less, almost static in your life because summers did seem to last forever. Now they go so fast that I listened to that song two weeks ago. I literally called Wayne Jackson and I was just thinking, I said, and I said, Wayne, I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking about you playing ball until the sun went down by the Princeton Towers. He's all, oh, yeah, man, that was a really good time. What made you think about that? He's all, the summer of 69, he went, what's that? (laughs) 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 He had no idea what the fucking song was. And I went, Brian Adams, the summer of 69? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I I know what you're talking about. But he had no idea what the the initial reference was. Uh, So, yeah, that's a very, very nostalgic song. Uh, Not because I think it's the greatest song on earth, but the lyrics really resonate with me. You know what that reminds me of is uh, Steve and I one day, and it's exactly those summers you're talking about. I don't know what year of university or high school it was, but we went, he had some car. It wasn't even his car. It was somebody else's. And we drove out to the rocks at Mid Lake. We went to the beach at Paint Lake. And it was just one of those days that just lasted absolutely forever, right? And we were driving around blasting tunes and just like... Having a time. So, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Those were the best yeah. days of my life. George, it's so simple. Best time of your life, George, summer of 69. You were swimming around <laughs> in your dad's balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Lester, what you got for me? I would say, like, the, the best one I came up with for the answer to this, because there's obviously, like, a, you know, a lot of music that reminds you of a lot of time, especially, like, that album list, you know, my top five album all of those albums I can remember sort of like the time period of my life when I was really into listening to them. But there's something about whenever I hear the first opening riff of the hip New Orleans is sinking. All right. It takes me right back to the first Sunfest concert which was the first big like outdoor music festival that I went to. I remember it was like 90 or 91, maybe 89, 90, something like that. There was like a few years in a row where it was like the first big outdoor festival. And we were, it was, it was just like one of those like coming together moments in time where it felt like everyone was there. Everyone was having a great time. There were like, 
40 or 50 people camped out at Huey's cottage. Like people were sleeping in tents, people pulled in in motorhomes. Like the whole, it felt like the, like the whole universe was like just there and partying and having a great time. And it's like what you said, George, like it brings you back to that time of your youth where everything just seems so golden, those golden <laughs> memories you have. And I remember like when that song came on, And everybody just like the energy of the crowd all at once just like always puts me back in that place yeah i almost put that i almost put that on my uh on my top songs my number one for sure i'm gonna give you two maybe three my number one for sure (laughs) (laughs) it's funny once i started looking at these it was bizarre how many of them i too many many. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's too many. It's weird. My absolute A number one is Marnie and I uh, weren't married. We had been going out for a while. And she was living in Brandon, and I was living in Winnipeg at the time. She was going to school there. And we were driving back from Brandon to Winnipeg together. And Another Midnight by Tragically Hip came on. And yep. we stopped on the side of the road and started dancing. Like, put on... Oh. Open the yeah, doors to the car. Yeah, old. I know. And it, <laughs> that feels like a cheesy movie moment, but it, it actually happened and like spontaneously happened. And a ch- big semi came by and honked his horn and the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can't not hear that song and think about, yeah. about that moment. So that, that's one of mine. The other, like this is a total switcheroo and I don't want to equate Peter Pollock with Marnie. <laughs> Fucking haven't heard that name in a long I time. I know. So Pete and I worked together at Highways for a whole bunch of different summers. And he loved singing songs. And so we were surveyors together. So we basically walked up and down the road all day long. And he would sing Jesse's Girl to me all the time. <laughs> he could sing the whole song. But his other favorite song was a John Mellencamp song, Now More Than Ever. If you believe, won't you please raise your hand? Let's see your voices. Let us know where you stand. Don't shout from the shadows, cause won't be down. Now more than ever. I ended up learning all the words to that song because we used to <laughs> sing it like it was terrible. But can you imagine two 20-year-old guys walking up and down the road singing? And then in northern Manitoba, in northern Manitoba, highway. we were between Ponton and Grand Rapids. That's where we worked most of the time. Like we, we lived. I lived in Ponton for six weeks. Oh Jesus! Don't don't eat the pancakes at the restaurant. They were terrible. <laughs> and then, so this now more than ever song. The next summer, I worked as a landscaping guy in Winnipeg for a little while, and I had some young guys, which is kind of funny to say because I was. 21 and they were 18 or something and I convinced them that what you do while you work is sing 
So I taught them now more than ever. <laughs> and we used to be like weeding and cutting grass and we would yeah. sing these songs together. Awesome. Uh, here's my last one. Marnie and I drove in from Killarney when we were living there to Winnipeg to Monty's. Remember the Montcom when it was yeah, yeah. still a bar? Monty's. Not when you were probably there when they still had the stools chained to the tables. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then they kind of yeah. it got a little bougie after that, which really wasn't that, but it got a little bit better. Um, and so they had that pool table in the back. And Marnie and I drove into Winnipeg and it was producer Mike's birthday and he didn't know we were coming in and we ended up rolling into the, into Monty's. He's on the dance floor hanging out with a bunch of people and Watchmen Incarnate comes on and there's a line in the song that says, and I snuck up behind him and as that came on, I sang it in his ear and he turned around and he was just like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> oh, right. And then it was just like an absolute bombs away party after that. So every time I hear that song, I can just picture him turning around and thinking like, what are you doing here? And this, uh, it was super fun. So, yeah. So Les, I want to comment. The reason why Bruce is successful in relationships and his marriage is because, you know, he has these tender moments that he remembers <laughs> that are associated with music. You and I are talking about boozing and, uh, you know, playing ball yeah. <laughs> in the dark. And it, it's why we're failures in relationships. <laughs> but, you know, Bruce has longevity with his best friend, his brother, and his best friend, his wife. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate that. I did. I wasn't trolling you guys on that, but I guess yeah, those. Are, it's a good one. They're, they're, it's a good well, one. Peter Pollock was in there too, which eh, I don't know about that, but. Yeah, well, I mean, if I came up with a story, yeah, like I was uh, banging a hooker to Jesse's girl, so it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't really resonate with a lot of people. <laughs> but but you you're, you're, you own your yeah, memories, you, George. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, all that matters is that it resonates with you. This, yeah. <laughs> I was in Las Vegas, up for two days, and Jesse's girl comes on. So you know, he's like one of my favorite artists. I just can't get that timestamp off my brain. Yeah. yeah. Here was my fourth story, George, to add to add to how you will not be happy with me. There's a great big sea song called River Driver, and it's one of the only songs that I could probably sing without the music. It's turned into the island anthem at Paint Lake. So us and our neighbors love this song. I'll eat when I am hungry and I'll drink when I am dry. Get drunk whenever I'm ready. Get sober by and by. If this river don't drown me, it's down I'll mean to roam. For I'm a river driver and I'm far away from home. And the deal is when this song comes on around the campfire, if it ever happens to come on, everybody stands up and sings it and they know the words. And so I distinctly remember Paige had some friends up from Winnipeg, a couple of her university pals. And it came on and we were with Jeff and Shannon, our neighbors and producer Mike and everything. And as soon as it came on, everybody stood up and started singing. It's our anthem. <laughs> and these poor people from Winnipeg were looking around like, is this a cult? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> 
And so now every time I hear that song, I just picture us all. And Paige and Murphy just owned in instantly, right? Like they were, this This is what we do. We're, it's part of our little community. So our little lake community. So there you go. It's our old Canada. It's, it is. It's our, yeah. island, it's our island, old Canada. It's River Driver by Great Big Sea. It's on uh, the hard and the easy. On that note, we're done here. That's the end. Thanks to the rest of our team, social media Todd, producer Mike, special editing help from Murph, and the secret weapon, Shannon Krentz. 